Hi gorgeous, this is episode number 94 with the amazing sales guru Ian Altman. Hi, this is Ian Altman. You are listening to Heart Sells with Christine Schlonsky. Enjoy. I'm so super pumped to have Ian Altman back on the show today and we're gonna go deep into same side selling because in reality we are all sitting at the same side of the table. Ian has been a CEO for two decades. He sold and grew his companies from zero to over a billion dollars. So he is known for explosive growth. He spent years researching how customers make decisions and has a real modern approach to sales and marketing. He is the leading authority and currently recognized as one of the 30 global gurus on sales. He is the co-author of the best-selling book, Same Side Selling, the host of the podcast, Same Side Selling Podcast, and he has done hundreds of articles on Forbes and Inc. as a contributor. So I'm so super excited to have him back on the show for all the show notes, the resources, and everything you need to know. You just need to hop on to christineschlonsky.com, find the podcast tab, and voila, there it is. All the podcast episodes, including the transcripts, show notes, key points, resources, everything you need to really become a hard seller. And I want to thank today our listeners in the Washington DC area as well in Texas, Dallas. Thank you so much for tuning in. So excited to have you here. And now let's get started with the next interview with Ian Altman. Well, I am so super excited to have you back on the show. Welcome, Ian. Christine, thanks for having me back. Yeah, I loved, I loved our first conversation. And you know, time just flew too fast. Um, I could have talked about your amazing book, Same Side Selling, all day long, because I love that approach. Uh, we talked about quadrants you can use to make a conversation easy and fun and to not push somebody or be the sleazy salesperson, but to be a partner, to create a business case together. And I just find that super, super brilliant. So gorgeous, if you have not listened to it, just make sure you check out the episode before that you get all those golden nuggets. And today I would love to go a little bit um, into your past, like where you came from in sales, because as you know, one of the 30 sales gurus globally, it's not, I would, I would guess, maybe I'm wrong, but that's probably not something you were born with. No, in fact, the, the, the very first job I had in sales, I was a college student. I got fired from it because I was really bad. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was awful. And I had no idea because I, I didn't know what I was doing. And the person said, well, you just call up and tell them what we have. And it was interesting because I lost the job and the next to the last call I made, I had success on. And I led with, well, here's the kind of problem that, that this is supposed to solve. And the people said, oh, that's really interesting. And of course, at the time, it never occurred to me that there was a connection there. And then over time, I, I studied this craft and learned about it. And then um, later in college, I worked for a company and... Um, and I remember, I remember selling, it was a, uh, we had, we had software for, um, 
software and equipment that did character recognition. So this is back before, you know, today you scan it a doc, excuse me, you scan in a document, Adobe just says, oh, you want to recognize the text and you do it. This was in the late 80s where it required highly specialized equipment to do this. And these devices we sold were about $40,000 per unit. So it's rather costly. And the company was trying to sell these into law firms and law firms would, would look and say, well, it looks interesting, but now it's too expensive. And I remember walking through this one law firm, they said, well, yeah, we have a ton of documents you need to convert, but yeah, I just don't think we can spend the money. And I walked past their copier room and they had these massive photocopiers. And I said, well, just out of curiosity, how much are the photocopiers? And he said, oh, it doesn't matter. And I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, they charge us per copy. And then we mark that up to our clients so that it's actually a profit center. I said, huh, okay. So I came back to the company and I said, here's this idea that I have. We wanna sell these per page. So let's tell people it's a dollar per page and they have a minimum they have to process per month. So the, the approach I took is I said, okay, it's a dollar a page and you have to do a minimum of a thousand pages a day, 20, 20 days a month. And they said, well, no one's going to do that because they can buy the equipment for $40,000. And I sold more that summer than anybody had ever sold. And we had these clients who wouldn't pay $40,000 for the equipment, but they would pay $50,000 a month for the same thing they could have bought for $40,000 a month prior. That's and so we locked, we locked them into a multi-month multi contract with a minimum that was the same amount they were going to have to buy it for. And these people would just keep doing it and we couldn't produce the equipment fast enough. And that's when I realized, okay, instead of selling what you think you want to sell, you have to sell what your clients want to buy. And so I started my first company in 1993. We became a fast 50 company by 1998. So one of the 50 fastest growing companies in the Washington DC area. We then built a software company also. I sold both companies in 2005 to some investment bankers out of New York. And they asked me to serve as managing director of the parent company. At the time, the value of the combined companies was about $100 million. And I grew the value of that business to roughly $2 billion over the next three years. And we expanded to all these places around the world. And candidly, I burned out. I wasn't spending as much time with my wife or with my kids. And I realized, man, why am I still doing this? I didn't have a good reason, so I stopped. And, um, and if I had done absolutely nothing forever, I think my wife would have killed me. And so that would have been a bad, that would have been a bad outcome. And people said, well, you, gee, when you were growing your business, you always seemed to enjoy helping our businesses if they were struggling more than you were focused on your own business. And I said, yeah, it's true. They said, well, why don't you do that? And I said, do what? Like, it didn't occur to me that people needed help growing a business because I was fortunate in that my businesses had grown pretty well. And, um, and so that's what I get to do now is I get to help other people on how they grow their businesses. And it's a very rewarding thing to be able to speak and write and share experiences that help other people get rid of that stress and feel like they're operating with integrity. Yeah. Oh, I love it. What, I mean, what a success story. So, Obviously, you had to to change your mindset for that, and and with the copying machines, I love the story. You did find your puzzle, right? Yeah, exactly. You did find the puzzle way back when, uh, and um, yeah, I mean, if you really open and you're listening and you're asking the right questions, that gives you so much opportunity for growth. 
Um, can you elaborate a little bit on, on that to give people maybe more ideas that might feel stuck at where they are? Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the biggest things that, that we have to realize is that if we focus on the results that our clients are trying to achieve rather than what we're trying to sell, then what we're trying to sell just kind of happens. Mm. And so what I mean by that is if we, if we ask questions like, so what does success look like? Then we all of a sudden get focused on that end goal that the client's trying to achieve. So if I ask most people in sales, if I say, okay, the initial contact is the starting block in a race. What's the finish line? You know, that place where we break through the tape and we're all high-fiving and congratulating each other and, 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 you know, we're celebrating. What do we call that? And most people in sales will say, well, that's the close. It's the sale. It's the contract. Someone in accounting might say it's getting paid. But the idea is that it's all centered around the sale and the revenue. But what if you asked your client the same question and you asked your client, what's the finish line? the client would likely say, well, it's the results. And so if we're focused on the contractor sale and the client is focused on the results, then we have a, we have a, a disconnect. Yeah. We're not aligned. So if you, instead, if you said, well, gee, what would make this successful? What can we measure together? And we start asking those sorts of questions. Then all of a sudden we're not selling, we're solving. More importantly, when, I, when I'm talking to CEOs and executives, I'll ask them, if you have a choice, one vendor is focused on the contract and the sale, the other one's focused on results, which one would you rather work with? Universally, people say the person with results. Then it gets more interesting because I ask them, okay, how many of you would be willing to spend a little bit more with the vendor who's asking questions about results? Notice, I don't ask guarantees the results, just how many of you would be willing to spend a little bit more with the people asking about results and just about everybody raises their hand. And then I say, okay, how much more? Oh, uh, and, and people say, well, it depends. And usually if I try to nail them down, they say, I don't know, 15% more. So imagine just being able to differentiate on value just by asking questions where you could charge 15% more than the competition and win the business because you're asking about results. The funnier question to me is then I ask people, okay, so for anybody who didn't say they'd be willing to pay more, how much less would you have to pay for it to be a good deal, but you don't get the results that you need? So how much less would you have to pay for, be, for it to be a good deal, but you don't get the results that you need? The answer is you have to pay 100% less because if you don't get the results you need, it's not a good deal. So what that does allows us to when a prospect and someone says, well, gee, I like what you're doing, but these other people are 20% less you get to say, well, my, my guess is that in your business, if you don't get the results that you need, that it doesn't matter what you spend, right? And they'll say, yeah, that's true. Okay. The only way we could sell it for less is if we sacrifice these two or three things and that would put your success at risk. And I know some vendors might be willing to do that, but we're not. So should we readjust what success looks like or is that actually what you need? And now we're having a discussion about their results and what they need rather than focusing on just the price. Yeah, 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 I love that. So many of the listeners are service-based, right? Yep. So they have to come up with their own, not, they don't have to, they get to come up with their own packages, exactly. with their own offers. And that, you know, that makes it a little bit difficult sometimes because they, 
they don't value themselves often enough because it's something that comes to them so easily. So they yep. think like, you know, I should, I could do this for free. This is so much fun. I can do it all day long. And now they have to put a price point. So what advice would you have for, for somebody to exactly to conduct that conversation um, just from the perspective of, you know, a service-based business, uh, what, what could they, they do? Absolutely. So, so give me an example of what type of service business might it be? Well, let's go into coaching. Okay. So in a coaching business, one of the most common ways that services businesses sell is they sell by the hour. And the reality is that I'm, I'm not a big fan of selling by the hour because what you're doing that, at that point is you're selling resources, not results. Meaning at that point, all you're doing is exchanging, um, exchanging currency for hours. Yeah. And the problem with that is that it's very easy for someone to say, oh, you're going to charge this much per hour. These other people charge less per hour. Instead, what you have to focus on is here are the problems that we solve. For example, if someone's an executive coach and they're helping get a team better working together, what they might say is they might have a discussion. So they use the quadrants and determine, okay, so you want to improve the way your team works together. What happens if you don't solve that? Well, I'm wasting money. We're not achieving our business goals a whole myriad of things that'll come out. What does success look like? Well, people would work, to work better together. They wouldn't be at each other's throats. I'd feel like we're accomplishing our goals. What specific goals? And now we get a list of those. So if you achieve those, what would it mean to the business? Well, gee, that would mean we'd have an extra gazillion dollars if we do that. Great. In order to achieve that, the way we would do this is over the next quarter, here's what we would work on together. Here's what the investment would be for that quarter. And at the end of the quarter, we'll evaluate where we are and we'll determine if you need more or less help in the following quarter. And that way, all you're really committing to is a quarter. You can say, look, here's, here's an upper end limit as to um, the number of meetings, number of days, things like that. But really, it's about what they want is I want to solve this problem and get those results. And then they get to evaluate, is that investment worth it to achieve that? Yeah. So when it comes to professional services, really the key is if you can focus on the results, it's a much better model because never has somebody thought to themselves, you know what I really need is I need 1.4 hours of this person's time. <laughs> it's, it's never come up. It's, you know, if someone's looking to hire an attorney, they don't want to hire hours. They want to hire the outcome they're seeking. And so the more you can focus on a task-based or a project-based or a goal-based objective and then assign an investment level to that. Notice I didn't say a price, it's an investment. Then, yeah. you know, that, that, that shifts the focus a little bit. Yeah, to totally agree. Yeah, I, like when you talk to your clients, it's always an investment because sure. with the service you provide, they should get so much more in return. Absolutely. And, and it's interesting because there are many businesses I've worked with who they say, oh, our business, it's impossible. We can't do that. And it's funny, there's an accounting firm that I worked with and they said, oh, each of our clients is different. We couldn't possibly do things on a fixed monthly fee. And I said, do me a favor. Let's just take 10 of your clients, 10, the next 10 clients. Let's do this on a fixed fee basis. And you tell me worst case scenario, what it would cost. And we're going to do a fixed fee at that amount. Oh, they'll never go for that. So, of course, those 10 clients did that. 
And what happened is two interesting dynamics. One, they have almost zero turnover in clients because the clients know exactly what it costs them every single month. Yeah. Second, the organization, because now they're not focused on how many hours they're billing, they've uncovered different ways to be more efficient. And so now they operate way more efficiently than they had in the past. And now they have, I believe it's two clients out of like 400 clients who are old clients who still pay them by the hour. Everyone else is fixed fee. And their business is thriving. It's a great culture because no one's focused on how many hours they're billing. They're just focused on the results of delivering for their clients. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's a business with integrity, with, you know, truth, authentic. Yeah. I just love that. So one thing I would love to know is what was the very first thing you ever sold in your life? Like many people, especially like many Americans, I sold raffle tickets. So I, I, I played in a baseball league and we had to sell these raffle tickets to raise funds for the league. And it was, it was a great lesson in that the, the raffle tickets, they sold them for a dollar. And so you know, I was convinced that the, the individual who sold the most raffle tickets won a bicycle. And I was like, Ooh. oh, I want, I want to win this bicycle. So I went to the neighbor on, next, next door on one side and I sold a whole book of these or like 20 per book. And it was, wow, there's $20. And I sold, went to the neighbor on the other side, $20. Wow, this is going to be easy. I'm going to win the bike for sure. And as I got further away from the house, the sales got smaller because it was people who were actually looking at it on the merits instead of just helping out the neighbor next door. And I eventually got to this house where the, the McKibben house and this gentleman opens the door and I said, hi, I'm selling raffle tickets. He said, we're not interested. And he slammed the door in my face. And I was about 11 years old and I went home crying. And my mother said, well, so you can either give up or you can go to another house and you can figure out why it didn't work and try and get better at it. And so each day I would go out to sell these and I would walk at a brisk pace past the McKibben's house. And on these raffle tickets, and it, they, bought them, they bought them for a dollar. There was a $2 coupon at a pizza restaurant called Round Table Pizza. And as I'm walking past the McKibben's house at a brisk pace one day, I see three of these pizza boxes in the trash can. And Mrs. McKibben happens to be outside. And I said, hi, Mrs. McKibben, I see that you guys like Round Table Pizza. So do we. She said, yes. I said, you know, we actually have these $2 off coupons and you get one of these coupons every time you buy one of the raffle tickets. And she said, well, what's the expiration date? I said, well, there's no expiration date. She said, oh, well then, um, you know, how many can I buy? And I said, well, I have a book of 20. She said, great, I'll do that. So she buys them. And then as I'm walking away celebrating this victory, Mr. McKibben walks out of the house. He says, young man. And I'm like, oh, now I'm in trouble. And he says, my wife said she just bought one of these books of 20 raffle tickets. I said, yes, sir. He said, why didn't you tell me that there were these coupons? Right? And it's one of these great lessons that at the time I probably didn't appreciate as much as I do now, but it was just same sort of thing. It's what are the puzzle pieces? You know, they were buying pizza. It would have been foolish for them to not save money and support the league. Like it made perfect sense. But you know, at the time, you know, I was 10 years old. My selling skills weren't quite as proficient as perhaps they are today. Oh, awesome. I just, I just love the story. And it, you know, it was so impactful for you because you still know the names. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I still have fear of Mr. McKibben coming around. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't blame you. I can, I can totally see that, but beautiful. And um, 
you again you did find that puzzle um, yeah. probably not knowing what that prepared you for exactly um, what what a beautiful story and um do you do you use mantras or quotes in your life to support your mindset you know what i i don't really the the biggest quote and, and it's self-serving because it's a quote that i've that that i actually it gets attributed to me which is um price and all objections matter most when the seller believes they matter most mm. so it's something that in my keynotes i talk about but it's price matters most when the seller believes price matters most so oftentimes it's our own limiting beliefs that tell us well no one will ever pay for this and the reality is they will pay for it um, if th there's enough impact of not solving the problem and if they see enough results. But there's some stories I share in my keynotes about those exact examples, but that quote tends to be something that resonates with a lot of people. Oh yeah, it definitely resonates with me. When I started my career in sales and I never intended to be in sales, I yeah. got there, so to speak, by accident. Like most people, <laughs> which, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, which we do not really believe in accidents, but I remember my, my first calls, like being nervous anyway, you know, wanting to do the right thing. And then it was high ticket events. So I had to say this huge number. <laughs> and I know like in the pitch, which was a pitch, um, you came to the point where I knew, oh, now I have to say the number. And I felt so uncomfortable for such a long time because for me, that was a lot of money. And it took me a while to shift my mindset and to really see, well, I'm selling to companies, right? They do have a budget or they can find sure. budget because the product is supporting them. So when you just uh, mentioned that, it's uh, the, the quote, I was like, yep, I've been there. <laughs> and oh, yeah. uh, I've seen the change. Once I changed, less people had an issue with the number. <laughs> Well, it's it's kind of a funny thing. I look back to when I started my speaking career and I charged maybe 5% of what I charge now. And I would almost share that number with an apology. And now someone can say, oh, we only have 95% of what you charge. And I think to myself, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no, it's like I, I couldn't possibly discount it at that level. Yeah. And it's just, it's how your confidence changes that yes. and how you realize what the value is that you provide. Yeah. Oh, I just love it. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing all these amazing insights and people really need to go and read your book, Same Side Selling, to find those puzzle pieces and they can go to ianartman.com and also they can go to the show notes where I will provide all the links, the transcripts. Um, the resources and obviously a link to your book as well. Um, thank you so much. I so enjoyed the time and uh, yeah, have an amazing day. Thank you, Christina. It was a pleasure. I so love to have Ian on the show. So make sure you hop on over to christineschlansky.com, find the podcast tab and get into Ian's episode. You'll find the show notes, the key points, the transcript, and of course, all the amazing resources and a link to his social media pages. So it's all just one click away. In case you don't know, Ian has also been part of the Sales Mentality Makeover Masterclass 3, where he's teaching a whole masterclass. So if you are interested, it's as well on the page in the resource tab, and you can check it out and really add these interviews to your sales success library. 
Thank you so much for being here. Wishing you a wonderful day wherever you are in this beautiful world. And till the next time, make sure you journal out for yourself what does it mean to be on the same side of the table with your clients when selling? How would that impact your sales process? And what might you be doing differently? And make sure you just send us an email to info at or you just hop on over to Facebook to Heart Sells Podcast and leave a comment under the episode of Ian Altman. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful day wherever you are. Saying bye for now. Mm-hmm.